we will look back maybe 10 years from now and say it's insane that you know we brought people to work and asked them to do this same thing over and over again all day long that was just like insane that was so bad for the health of the people and the capability that we can support here with our technology can really help them. You are listening to Innovators, brought to you by Wing Venture Capital. I am your host, Zach DeWitt. Today, we are joined by Param Kalan, the Chief Product Officer of UiPath. UiPath is the market leader in robotic process automation, commonly referred to as RPA. UiPath just raised capital at a $7 billion valuation, and their investor list includes Excel, Sequoia, Co2, Kleiner Perkins, and Capital G. In the Enterprise Tech 30, hosted by WingVC, Top venture capitalists across multiple world-class firms voted UiPath as one of the most promising companies in the enterprise space. Hear from Parham firsthand how RPA is helping digitize and automate what are typically laborious and manual processes. For example, UiPath is helping banks consolidate all of their customer files across disparate systems so bankers can be better prepared for customer meetings. I think you will greatly enjoy today's conversation as UiPath is one of the most exciting companies on the planet. Welcome, Parm. Excited to have you in the show today. Please introduce yourself. Thank you, Zach, for having me, Don. My name is Parm Kalam, the Chief Product Officer at UiPath, responsible for our product management and product strategy. And Parm, tell us a little bit about your background. What, what were you doing before joining UiPath? Yeah, so I've been in the enterprise software space for almost 20 years. I spent uh, about six years prior to coming to UiPath at uh, Microsoft, responsible for Microsoft Dynamics uh, 365 applications, CRM applications for uh, um, Salesforce automation and customer service. Prior to um, Microsoft, uh, I worked at uh, SAP, where I was responsible for um, solution management and product management for uh, ERP products around customer service and order management, sales and distribution module in the ERP. And then prior to SAP, I worked at um, a company called Siebel Systems. Siebel Systems is responsible for product management for CRM products in um, the field service and order management space. So... What is RPA? You see RPA talked about a lot. It's a very, quote unquote, hot category amongst investors. Um, so I'd love to just hear your perspectives on, on what this means and, and what the category is all about. So RPA helps, um, you know, it's the fuel for digital transformation to the enterprises. It helps companies that are trying to transform their processes do that quickly without having to rip and replace multiple applications they have in their ecosystem. Um, so I'll give an example. If you're in the call center world and you've got call center agents that have to jump different applications to be able to take calls and, and process workloads, what RPA can do is essentially create robots that can take over and work on behalf of those humans so they can humans can focus on collaborating and conversing with the customers while robots can go 
process the work um, that in a navigation sequence that humans have had to do um, while they were on call with the customer. So it helps drive productivity of employees in a conversational setting. It can also be used in what we call unattended mode to be able to do work on behalf of humans. So for example, if you have a repetitive pattern of work, AP clerk opening invoices and submitting invoices into an accounts payable application. It's a very predictable pattern of work that happens over and over again. You can have a robot that can work just like a human does and be able to open invoices that are incoming, extract information from the invoices and processes it into a line of business applications. So when you say robots, is it software, hardware, a mix of both? Yeah, that's a really good question. Um, it is a software robot. It is not something that you actually see, but it is a robot that works um, just like humans do when it comes to interacting with a computer. So it can see what information is on the computer screen and process it like a human eye does, and it can pass keyword or mouse actions to the computer, just like a human would pass those actions to the computer. So it's a software robot. It's not a physical robot that you'll see, but it can actually do the actions that humans will do on the computer. So with the digital transformation of the enterprise, there are so many different workflows that can be automated and digitized, and there's so many processes within an enterprise. Um, so UiPath, where are you guys focusing and where have you found success initially? You know, our technology can be applied to any use case. It's a tool that can be used to automate business process across the enterprise, whether it's in finance or customer support or HR or different kinds of applications. So we have customers that are using us for all kinds of use cases across the company. But where we generally get the most traction initially in an organization is around processes like finance. Uh, in departments like finance or customer service or human resources, those are probably the top three functions of the organization that gravitate towards putting robots. And it's generally because there's a high volume of repeatable processes that happen uh, within those organizations in HR for employee onboarding or employee lifecycle processes when in finance for you know accounts payable or month in closing or financial reporting. These are high volume repeatable processes that happen over and over again. Same in customer service. You know, the customer service reps tend to do the same types of calls over and over again at high volume. So that's where I think the value of RPA is found initially. But a lot of our companies are now applying RPA to many, many processes in the organization, not necessarily just high volume processes. Is the pitch to use uh, UiPath, is it an ROI pitch in terms of cost savings or is there, does it have a direct impact on revenue as well in certain cases? What's the business pitch when you first meet with the company? Companies find different types of value in our technology. Um, many companies will use us for um, just process efficiency because they can reduce the cycle time for a loan origination, for example, you know, it could take weeks and they can reduce it down to days. In, in one case, one of our customers that used to do um, customer onboarding for commercial accounts, it would take them weeks because they'd have to go into different systems and set the customer up in all those systems and have to be managed for a very long, lengthy process across different individuals within the bank. And they were able to do that within a couple of hours using our technology. In this case, that was all about improving the customer experience 
And in general, that would rely on increasing the job plan for the company and revenue growth. In other cases, we get applied for you know cost control as well, where companies are, are looking at saying that they have to try to control the cost for the, the number of labor resources that have to be applied to doing a process. And a robot is generally a lot cheaper than hiring employees to do the same work and can actually work 24-7 and do stuff faster. So it just depends upon sort of what type of use case we're getting applied to. And we've seen our application apply across, you know, either in cost control or in revenue growth. And what was the inspiration uh, for the founding team to start UiPath? Were they experiencing this problem firsthand or do they just see the writing on the wall that every enterprise has all of these laborious workflows that could be digitized and automated? Actually, we drew a lot of the inspiration from um, our customers, from our early set of customers, uh, which were business process outsourcing firms. And they were looking for efficiencies and how they can process a very high volume process by reducing the overall cost of completing that general process. So that's where we saw some of the early inspiration to say we can apply this technology to make the person that's you know, completing this process 15, 20, 30 percent more efficient in completing the end-to-end process and applying our technology. And that's where the initial sort of focus of the product and the company um, was and sort of how can we make the, the BPO firms more efficient in, in completing those processes. Over time, we've, you know, we've seen us getting applied in, in all types of use cases, not just BPOs, you know, large firms, banks, retailers, high-tech organizations are all using our product to be able to look at processes across the enterprise, not just sort of in a BPO type back office processes, but front office customer interaction and different processes across the enterprise. Would you be able to walk through a sample customer and just a use case that you're excited about and that they're really getting a lot of value off. I, th- I think just making it tangible be, would be really helpful for the listeners. Absolutely. So um, I'll, maybe a couple of customers. One is a the second largest bank in Japan. What they do, and this is something that all of us can relate to, if you called your bank today and you said, I'd like to meet with my banker because I have certain needs coming up and like to discuss what my options are, um, you would generally get a half an hour appointment to say, yes, you know, come in on, um, you know, next week, you know, we have half an hour, you know, from this time to this time. Usually what happens on the other side at the bank is that the banker has to go through your different accounts that are managed so they can get an understanding of how you're banking and what your needs might be. And in this case, there were different core banking systems in which the account information was managed. There was a different core banking system for checkings account. There was a different core banking system for savings, different one for investments accounts, for retirement accounts, for mortgage accounts, and so on and so forth. So for the banker to get a really good understanding of who you are, what you're doing, and what your needs might be, and what other products and services that they could recommend, they would spend a half an hour before the half an hour appointment to go to each one of these systems, print your account balances, print your recent activity, put it all down in a paper, and then study it to see what your needs might be and where you might be able to you know, engage with the bank for more products and services. What happens post our technology is that a robot actually confirms the appointment with the customer 12 hours before the customer is going to come in. And then 
it goes to each one of those systems, extracts the information from each one of those core banking systems, formats it nicely, feeds it to a machine learning algorithm to say what other products or services can I cross-sell or upsell to customers that look like this, that have recent activity like this, and then takes it all and summarizes it in a nice you know, report and sends it to the banker. So the banker now needs five minutes to get ready for that appointment as opposed to, you know, taking half an hour to get ready for that appointment and would even say that it's more ready to meet the customer. But at the end of the day, it also delivers a better sort of employee satisfaction experience because we as humans, you know, we derive satisfaction by helping other people. We don't get satisfaction by going to systems and printing reports and trying to infer that. Um, you know, when we are able to take more appointments and help more people in the day, we feel better about the work. So that's a typical use case in which the bank has applied us to. Um, you know, if you look at uh, some other use cases, you know, we have companies that have applied us in, um, you know, a very large high tech company here in the Pacific Northwest has applied us for employee onboarding. And what that means for them is um, they were hiring a lot of people. And but to get that, you know, once the offer gets accepted for that person to get set up and to start at the company, they have to go set that up in 15 different systems from the employee HR system to the payroll system, to the benefits system, to that you know, work scheduling system. And they were all different systems that didn't have interfaces and API. So they'd have to go bring in temporary workers that would just come in to be able to set those employees up and it'll take them, you know, somewhere between three days to seven days to be able to, um, before an employee can start work. With our technology now, they're able to take that employee information and call the robot that processes all these other systems and puts the employee information in there so that if they want, they can start that employee the very next day. So it reduces the time that it takes to be able to get the employee onboarding and employee, um, a new employee started with the company. So as the chief product officer, how do you balance making the technology and products you're building generalizable enough that they can be applied across multiple use cases, even within enterprise, but also across multiple verticals, yet at the same time, be specific enough in the workflow that you can accommodate all of these particular use cases? You know, we've always focused as a company on the core platform, and we work with a lot of our partners in, in making sure that our partners can extend it to the types of use cases that our customers want to apply it to. I'd say our initial focus was on around making sure that we can make the BPOs more efficient, but now we're focusing on just the core platform that's saying we build the robots that are able to process any system just like a human eye and a human hand keyboard actions are able to do and then apply that technology generically so that it can be applied across any use case. And that's the core platform is where all of our investments go. You know, we have a really good team that works with our partners and ensuring that we can, you know, cater to the, the last mile needs of our customers across you know, different industries and different lines of businesses. But from our perspective, from the core development team perspective, we focus just on the platform that's able to support the needs of our customers. How do you quantify how big of an opportunity this is ahead of UiPath? Obviously, every global large enterprise company has processes like this across multiple departments. So I would imagine that TAM is, is enormous here. I mean, and how do you think about that? So this is um, being the largest, um, I'd say the, the biggest 
growth uh, market uh, category in the enterprise software space. Um, if we look at Forrester, they estimate this is growing at 60 to 70 percent CAGR. We are growing at, at multiples of that. You know, we're growing at 300, 400 percent year over year. And there's no no real problems that we see in, in our growth going forward as well. We have tremendous interest from our customers. And the reason the case is, is if you look at, you know, a few things that are happening from a macro perspective. Um, so one is digital transformation that we all know. Companies now know that they need to transform their processes digitally and they need to do that quickly. They don't have four, five, six years to be able to go through a process re-engineering thing and put new, you know, ERP systems and CRM systems in place before they can say they're, they're ready, they're transformed digitally. They know they need to do it within the next couple of months. And our technology is able to do that without having to disrupt the existing landscape. We're able to go on and say, you want to digitize that process. We can take that new employee onboarding process. You don't want it to be six days long. You want it to happen sort of, you know, overnight and you don't have time to consolidate all of your HR systems into one because that will take many, many, many months to be able to do. We can do that quickly by applying a robot that can, you know, do this work just like a human does and it'll take you a week to be able to do that. So I think that is a big impetus to sort of the growth that we're driving. The second thing that I think that's happening is uh, the shift in the demographics. Um, and we're seeing it more pronounced in companies and in countries like um, Japan. Um, but it's happening around the world and Western Europe and North America as well, where companies don't have enough people that are available to do all the work that they want to be able to do. Um, so you have to be able to support the needs of these, these countries that have a bigger re retired pool of population that's living longer, but less working age population that's coming into the workforce, but still the needs to increase the productivity to grow the gross domestic product is more pronounced than ever. So how do you get to do more productivity with the less number of people that are coming into that and our technology is able to drive that level of efficiency, the level of productivity for uh, people in the workplace. Um, so those are, um, the key things that are that are driving sort of for growth, and we will continue to see that kind of growth in the in the coming years. I think we will look back maybe ten years from now and say it's insane that you know we brought people to work and asked them to do this same thing over and over again all day long. That was just like insane. That was so bad for the health of the people and the capability that we can support here with our technology can really help them. So with your core product offering, how are you guys um, using artificial intelligence and machine learning either to make your product more efficient or make the customer workflow uh, that much smoother and more accurate? Yeah, that's a great thing. And, and AI and machine learning are tightly coupled to what we do. Our robots, you know, we think of our robots as, you know, the bots that have certain skills. And those skills are what give them the ability to be able to process uh, applications, process things on the computer. And there's four categories of things in there. First one is computer vision. Computer vision gives our robots the eyes that humans have. So they can look at a computer screen and be able to analyze and say, okay, I see on the screen a web browser, or I see on the screen a, a Windows application 
um, that looks like it's a banking application and there's a new button to create a new account, right? So then once we're, uh, the robots are able to look at the screen, analyze what is on the screen and be able to then go take action to click certain buttons, to put certain values in the fields, then we can interact with that UI, just like the human eye can always on the computer screen. And that gives us the core ability to be able to process the computer screen, whether it's a web browser or a Windows desktop application or a, a virtual desktop machine that's you know running on a, on a Citrix workstation or, um, or another on a, on a VMware workstation. Those are things we can process like human eye. And that is core part of our technology skills that we deliver out of the box. Beyond that, what we also see is the core skills around document understanding. So even in this day and age, we see a lot of processes that are paper-based processes. You have invoices, you have contracts, you have people sending W-2s and pay stubs for processing loan applications. You have claims that are manually filled. You have police departments that are putting case reports and and real paper-based forms to L. And there's a need to be able to digitize all that information and convert it into a digital process. So we've created technology that's able to recognize those documents, just like human eyes can look at a document, classify it, whether it's an invoice or a police case report or something else, and be able to extract that information that can be processed as part of the business process. So that is another skill that we are creating a robot to be able to do this document understanding. So computer vision, document understanding, and sort of where we're going is also creating skills around process understanding, which is if I knew what the process is, I can you know, teach a robot how to do it and the robot can process it for me. However, a lot of times, what if I want to infer the process based on actions that people are taking and follow people and extract the process based on the actions people are taking on their computers? And that is the skill we're building, which is you know, the ability to mine information based on user clicks and extract that information, create process understanding skills. And the last skill, that we're creating is around conversational understanding. So if you look at the modern interfaces, people want to create conversational interfaces. That's what we use in our consumer lives. That's what we want to use the enterprise life as well. Uh, However, in the enterprise ecosystem, the last 40, 50 years, we've built applications that are forms over data. You don't have enough APIs to be able to call them from chatbots that people are using. However, you can make those chatbots a lot more useful if they're able to call our bot and take the interaction and the intent of the communication that's taken and convert that into a set of navigation sequences across screens and forms to be able to either gather information or update actions so that from the chatbot itself, you're able to apply for loans, you're able to get status of your order that you've submitted or you're able to you know, do any other action that a human would have generally done for you. Um, so you can create the chatbots more relevant. So those are you know, the four skills, computer vision skills, uh, document understanding skills, process understanding skills, and conversational understanding skills that we're building natively into our robots. And the last piece that we're creating is there's a lot of prediction uh, or machine learning capabilities that companies are building based on data that only those companies have. For example, if you're a bank, you have the knowledge and the data to be able to create uh, whether this this loan should be underwritten or not, whether you have, you know, should approve or decline the role. So if somebody 
at a bank creates that kind of machine learning algorithm where able to ingest it and run it as a skill that the robot can now process so that the entire loan application process can be sequenced and managed through our robots. What's been the, the biggest challenge about using machine learning? The departments that work on machine learning and process efficiency at a customer are very different. So the way machine learning works is it's um, there's a machine learning center of excellence. It's a data science team that sits in some back office and they work more on sort of work order basis. Tell us what you want to solve. Business comes to them and says, I need an algorithm for this. And they go ahead and say, okay, give me the data. I'll create something. And then they create something. That algorithm that gets created never sort of gets applied in the business process because the business process is executed by a totally different department, by different people, and doesn't get integrated into the workflow of people who are, who are you know, running that business process per se. And I think that is the challenge that we're trying to solve by creating a DevOps platform where it says, as soon as the data science team creates an algorithm, we can take it easily ingest it as part of our stack and be able to run it end-to-end very quickly. Have you had difficulty hiring engineers that can, you know, data scientists and machine learning engineers? Has that been a challenge for you? Are you hiring in the Bay Area? What's that experience been like? It is a competitive market to attract the really good talent. And uh, so we've we've hired uh, machine learning and data science folks wherever we can find them. We're mostly based in the Seattle area, um, but we've hired um, data scientists in the Bay Area, data scientists in New York and, and around the world as well that are working on these, these algorithms um, for us. You know, we've been fortunate enough to get um, some really good investors who've invested in us, um, some, some really good um, sort of initial success with our customers. Um, so we, I think we feel good about the talent that we have in the company, but it's definitely a very competitive job market out there. So what's next for UiPath in terms of your product roadmap? Oh, we have lots of things. I think we are, uh, we're looking at sort of the next wave of RPA. So the first wave of RPA was extremely focused on taking a business process and, and task and automating it. We're doing a lot of things that are over and beyond that thing. So if you look at an end-to-end process for a customer, it has a, a more to do than just automating that one process or task itself, but how do you actually manage the end-to-end journey? How do you manage the order-to-cash process by orchestrating work between humans and bots? So we're making, putting a lot of focus in supporting intended automation and ensuring that things like human in the loop, where humans and robots are working back and forth and, and shaking and work together to be able to complete the end-to-end processes for those companies. So we're making big investments in there. We've just done a public review of UiPath Cloud, uh, which is basically you just go to a browser and you can start using um, robots in your environment. You don't need anything else to be able to do any setup, any infrastructure to be able to run robots um, for your business processes. A lot of people are signing up, so it's getting a lot of attention from from the market. We're really excited about that one as well. Um, We're going to continue to do a lot of work in, in AI you know, from uh, things like improving the process mining and process understanding capabilities of our product. We're doing a lot of work in sort of what I was talking about, how we take the DevOps of of ML algorithms that are built by the data science team using any tool that they're using and convert them into skills for the robots so they can easily be consumed 
in a design time, but also be executed in the, from a runtime focus that it can be used in business process. So we're making a lot of improvements and in, in investments there as well. Parham, UiPath has been on a fundraising blitz, and on your website, it says you've raised a billion dollars. I'd love to hear a little bit more about the fundraising to date and you know future fundraising plans. Yeah, so we've been very lucky to get uh, really, really accredited investors who have put a lot of confidence in, in our solution and the problems that we're, we're trying to solve and, and sort of also in believing in what we're trying to do and, and changing the future of work. What we've raised so far is we've raised four rounds with investors like Excel, Sequoia, Kleiner Perkins, and latest round from Co2 and, and Capital G. And, uh, you know, over the four rounds, series A, B, C, and D, we raised a total of a little more than a billion dollars in investments. And a lot of that investment is going into building R&D and product capabilities that are able to meet the needs of what people are trying to do with the new way of working and creating the technology that will power, you know, not just what we're trying to do today with our customers, but also technology that will help redefine the future of where the workplace is going to be. And how can our listeners follow the progress of UiPath? If they want to be a customer or want to join as an employee, what's the best way to uh, get in touch with you, with your team? Absolutely. So I think the good thing is that we're a really open company. All of our technology and the products that we ship to our customers are also available to our community. So if you go to community.uipath.com or academy.uipath.com, you're able to sign up for our uh, free version off of our products. And if you're using it for personal use, you're able to use it without having to pay anybody until as long as you want to use it. That you can see at the academy.uipath.com tons of great content around learning how to use our products, learning how to create automations, and all of that is available free of cost uh, without having to register yourself or your company to be able to use uh, those capabilities. Our community today has more than 400,000 active members. Um, and you'll notice that, you know, if you run into an issue or want to learn something about that, you can type a question. It is very, very likely that you're able to find answers to that question uh, in the community itself. We also host a number of events in cities around the world and making sure that we're building an active, vibrant community of people who are interested in automation. We've committed to training a million students in automation over the next three years. Uh, we have a large team around Academic Alliance that's focused on including our technology and automation as part of the academic curriculum that uh, universities are using. So we have a lot of ways in which you can get in touch with us through these online forums, through the, the community events and hackathons that we host in, in different cities, through the Academic Alliance program if you are a student in the universities. Um, and we'd love to hear from you uh, if you have any information you want to share with us. That's great. And we'll put all that in the show notes as well. So Parham, beyond UiPath, which is a pioneer in a lot of ways in terms of applied machine learning, um, how will artificial intelligence and machine learning uh, change and impact our business economy? I think um, AI and machine learning are going to become a essential component of any business application or any commercial application going forward. The apps that we use 
uh, it would be expected to have the intelligence that will anticipate our needs and be able to respond based on who we are, what we're doing, where we're doing, and what we're likely to need at that point in time. I think I see the future of enterprise applications to be a broker of decisions based on data that is accessible to that application based on the context of that user. You know, in the past, most applications were built on taking information, storing it, and reporting it. But I think in the future, the applications that we're going to build based on AI and machine learning are going to be there to help people not to get in their way and make them, you know, add information to a database. I think those days of adding information to the database by using business applications are going to be done through other ways in which the data can be collected and gathered. And people will use business applications to get help, to be get more productive, to get more out of their day. And I think that's what AI and machine learning is going to help drive in those business applications. And which industries do you think will be most impacted by AI ML? Do you think it'll be across every, every major industry, just at different paces? I think it'll be across every industry at different paces. I mean, the industries that already have good uh, a good ability to gather data about uh, their customers, their processes, their products are the ones that are most likely to use AI and ML first. Um, but as it's getting easier to collect more and more data through IoT, through sensors, through um, you know the way people use websites, I think the impact of AI and ML is going to be pervasive across pretty much every industry. Yeah, I totally agree. It's going to be exciting to watch and participate in. And as you said, there's not going to be a complete replacing of jobs. I think it'll allow people to up-level what they're working on and do more cognitive tasks as opposed to repetitive laborious tasks. Absolutely, completely agree. And I think if you look at the history of uh, industrialization, sort of every major change uh, or innovation in industrialization um, has generally created, you know, more prosperity, uh, more economic growth, and has had an impact on jobs, um, not from the perspective of job reduction, but from the perspective of new ways in which people get engaged and, and occupied and generating employment. And that is some of the impact that this technology will generate as well. But overall, I think it will create more prosperity and more information for everybody. So this is a question we like to ask at the end um, to all of our guests. What advice do you have for entrepreneurs um, who are starting to build AI-powered businesses today? I think uh, the, the key advice that I would give is that stay focused on the business problem that you're trying to solve and not worry too much about what technology you're going to use to do that. It's uh, very easy for us entrepreneurs, especially that come with technology backgrounds, to get enamored with the technology and focus more on technology and less on the problems that we're trying to solve for our customers. Always stay focused on how does this add value to the customer and why would a customer use this and what benefit would they get out of that? As long as you can keep the focus on that and then find the solution that helps create that value for the customers, you, you know, it'll be good. I'm so glad you said that. I, I think the best entrepreneurs can start with first principles of what the business problem is and then, you know, what are the solutions to solve it? And if it includes some form of machine learning, wonderful. If it doesn't, you know, that's that's totally fine as well. 
Obviously, there's a lot of benefits to machine learning in terms of prediction accuracy and, and certain tasks that you can do uh, and digitize um, and automate. But um, I, I, I'm really glad you said that. Well, Parm, I've greatly enjoyed this. Anything else that you want to talk about or anything else you want to speak to in terms of what UiPath is working on or is accomplishing? No, it's uh, first of all, um, really, really happy and glad that we were able to get some time to connect and, and real thank you for, uh, for including me in, in your podcast. Last thing I would say is that the thing that I said before about community, you know, we really want to hear from you. We really want to understand and how you are applying automation and, and what benefits are you getting out by applying automation. So, so really, please start the dialogue with us. We'd love to hear from you, join our community and tell us about your experience with automation. That's the way we would, you know, in a way, that's the way we build products and we'll continue to take your input and, and learn from you in growing and enhancing our roadmap. The key takeaways from today's episode are, one, robotic process automation, commonly referred to as RPA, is helping digitize and automate manual processes inside the enterprise, saving companies time and money. Two, UiPath is the market leader in RPA, having grown to a $7 billion company in 14 years. And three, there is a massive global opportunity ahead of UiPath, as almost all enterprises have multiple processes which could be automated. Thank you for listening to Innovators. I hope you enjoyed this episode. I would greatly appreciate if you could share our podcast with one person who you think would greatly enjoy hearing about how the next wave of business leaders is using applied AI to reshape our business economy. You can reach me on Twitter at Zachary DeWitt or email me at Zach at wing.vc.